It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hey, 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 thanks for joining us. Real quick promise, please find us and follow us at Mistreague Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have curated content on Pinterest and Flipboard. Check out our channels on TikTok and YouTube, and if you would be so kind, like that famous prince we all know, please show us some love and rate and review us. Positive vibes only, right? But first... Champagne. Hey, welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie. Hello, Miss Carrie. Guess who I am? I'm Larissa. Sorry, you caught me mid-sip. I wish I <laughs> I wish I could say I was like sipping and shining with alcohol, but it's too early in the morning here to be on that wagon. Yeah, but according to your work time, you're actually probably midday. Uh, yeah, because, because I've started at five. <laughs> yes. It's, it's happy hour in France right now. So I'm just <laughs> going to join that bandwagon. Oh, I have a story to tell you about France when, oh. when we, yeah, but I, I want to hear more about your rabbit hole. That oh God. Yeah. About. I was, uh, I was reading about the Honduran ex-president and I went down the Madonna rabbit hole. Have you seen her lately? She's gotten some work done. I only have seen where she almost looks like an alien on her TikToks or something. She does. She's gotten. Okay. So she had the fillers, which were bad, but now I think she's actually had the complete facelift, which makes her look a little bit better, but she's so thirsty. She's always shown, gotta show those titties. I'm Madonna. Look at my 63 or 65 year old titties. Why? 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 And I think she, I think she wears gloves because I think that's one of the areas that you can tell when you age. Cause I'm noticing it myself. Mine look, I for real have man hands. Well, mine are turning that way. I used to have very little baby hands. Like Bailey still has baby hands with yeah. the little dimples and stuff. But now oh. I look like I have my mom's hands. No, they, you start to get like, Ugh, I don't even want to talk about my hands. I have the hands of a carpenter. <laughs> Where's sunscreen? Madonna must wear like a, a complete, I was going to say, you know, those moisturizing cotton gloves. She must have a complete cotton moisturizing bunny suit every night. Oh, I could completely see that. Or she's doing some weird shit. Like remember when Michael Jackson used to have weird shit? Yeah. Hyperbaric chambers. Yeah. I could see her taking that on. Yeah. Have you, did you see she got kicked off for her NFTs? Uh, no. Yeah. She got kicked off of Instagram and she was doing these NFTs where she's like naked with electronic centipedes crawling out the, oh. the vag and trees growing out her lady business, a big old tree coming out. It's just weird. It's like some she got a hold of some video director and they're like, we're going to create some really cool, uh, controversial NFTs as she got blocked. Do you think she's just doing this stuff to be relevant? Because I yes. remember when she adopted those kids, people, everybody was like, oh, she's just trying to be like Angelina. She's thirsty and she hasn't had a hit in God knows how many years. So how is she going to be relevant this way? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't see her generation. I mean, I was, I had her 45s, by the way, I still had records yeah. when I was yeah. growing up. But I just don't see those club kids going back to the club to listen to. No, Madonna. No. no. 
Oh, okay. That was nice. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of France, I just got back from Normandy. That was brutal. I hear you were up a lot of the time, right? Yes. One of the interesting things I did was I toured the cemetery there, you know, Saving Private Ryan, all that, Mm -hmm. Band of Brothers. I have a letter here written a long time ago to a Mrs. Bixby in Boston. Bear with me. Dear madam, I've been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any words of mine would attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering to you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved lost the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. Well, I was talking to somebody who was very high up. I don't know if I want to say who it was because what if I quote them and I'm wrong? Like I misquote them. So let's just say it's somebody who is very in the know and -hmm. was probably the top ranked person there. Because wow. it was because I was with a World War II vet, so we got special consideration for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, little kids were coming up and taking pictures with him. He's quite Aww. the celebrity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's quite the celebrity. So, uh, if you have any interest in either forensics, did I tell you the story about the forensics? No. Okay, no. so if you have any interest in forensics of today, always, always you would be interested in this, or if you just like World War II, which a lot of women do. I I don't know if it started with Saving Private Ryan or Battle of the Bulge, but mm-hmm. a lot of people are actually into World War II. I was talking to him, and this is probably the most interesting part of my entire trip. Yeah, I was talking to him, and I was like, well with all the new technology, they're able to see now where bodies are buried because they'll see like a soil, dip- almost like disturbance in the layers using yes, this equipment. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so they'll, they can literally find the bones deep down. And he said, they're still finding bodies today. Wow. New bodies, right? Bodies that were previously listed as unknown or, you know, yes. Wow. Still finding bodies. A lot of them are Germans actually. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. You're using today's technology. And I was like, well, what about anybody that was unidentified? And he said that back before, this is where I was worried about quoting him. You Mm -hmm. had to have an 88% chance of identification in order to desecrate and and to raise them up out of the ground. Oh, exhume them? Really? Yeah. That sounds like I'm talking about vampires. The law changed to 51%. So if you have a 51% surety that you might know who this is, you can exhume them. And now they're using forensic testing. So they're, they, just this year alone, they were able to identify 19 bodies. Just this year from world war two, 19 bodies from. Yeah. I mean, some people could say, well, why are you even bothering a lot of the family members have died, but 
I still think everybody's entitled to absolutely what they also are doing is if, if you ever look at the gravestones, they usually will have a cross, but it's not the, is it a Coptic Coptic cross? It's a different type of cross than yes. You'll see the star of David. Now I think there's only like 143 again, I might be pulling these numbers out of my ass, but they're very close to what he was saying. Cause I was absorbing everything mm-hmm. that were identified as Jewish. Well, what they're doing now is they're actually backtracking. And if they have like a surety, they will change that cross because oh. a lot of them were obscuring that they were of that heritage. And when they were burying them, they were going off the dog tags. It might've said no preference or it might've been banged out. Oh, yeah. They've been attempting to also resurrect. I'm sorry, fix that as well. And that's fascinating though. Right before D-Day, they told us two out of three of you are not coming back. I decided to draw a huge star of David on the back of my field jacket. I had to let the Germans know where I was coming from. Across the barracks, I hear this voice, Rana, Rana. It was one of these anti-Semitic blondies from Louisiana. And he said, you a Jew. You a Jew, I says, yes, as a matter of fact, why do you ask? (laughs) My fellow soldiers wanted to know how on earth did you wind up on the front lines? You're Jewish. I said, because I wanted to be there. Suddenly I heard, you know, you have to say something good about Hitler. You know, he got rid of all the Jews. And I said, well, you didn't get this one. Oh, and then you'll see like privates buried next to generals because they just, as soon as the body came up, they just would put it in. You just see a lot of that going on. But one of the stories that came up actually came up a schoolgirl in, I think, Virginia, he said, a school project. And she was like, oh, I'm going to research these two brothers that came from my hometown that were lost at D-Day. And back in 1976, they had, because there's still vehicles in the water. Uh, You can actually dive it. You can't take anything up because it's considered a site, um, like a site where it's a grave, you know, Mm -hmm. but they had resurrected this boat and they had found in the radio room body that was still intact. Wow. Yeah. They put it in the lab in Belgium. They had sent it to Belgium. Mm -hmm. I've actually been there to that one. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. So this girl's doing the project and there was these two brothers that were in Germany. Their parents immigrated when they were very young to this town, they joined the military and they got a special dispensation. Again, I'm slurring my words because I've had very little sleep from a senator so that they could serve together in the same unit. The parents were, mm-hmm. they want to be in the same unit. If they die, they want to die together. They've never been without each other. So they were able to serve in the same unit. They were both radio men. One, one was killed. They were able to find the body. And this other one was in the radio room and they had cleared this, these landmines and wait, sea mines or land, land whatever mines. they are, sea mines. Yeah. They were in the ocean though. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can really tell how, how technical I am. <laughs> and what they did is they went, the boat captain or whatever they were called at that time, just got frustrated and he thought he was going to go around this crowd. Well, it immediately blew up the boat sank, And she did the research just to looking at the different boats and where people um, assigned to. And, mm-hmm. and she was actually able to prove that without a doubt, this had to have been that brother. And wow. he's been sitting since 1976. Yeah. So they actually will take into account a 12 year old. Yeah. She was like 12 or 14. He said, wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. There was another really cute story, but I'll tell you about it. So did they exhume him? Yeah. He was buried and everything. They were able to 
to identify wow. him. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Ciao, darling. As the United States was recovering from the Great Depression, President Franklin D. Roosevelt initiated a work relief program known as the Civilian Conservation Corps. Many young men, like Sherwin Callender of Oakland, California, were quick to volunteer. And they give us army uniforms and barracks to sleep in, and we made campgrounds and fire trails and things like that. And all the different uh, branches, recruiting officers had come to these camps and tried to recruit us into their branch of the service. And a Navy man came, he said, you'll have a girl in every port. I said, sign me up. <laughs> I was the first one. <laughs> That's how I got in the Navy. I went through basic training in San Diego, California, and took what they called the Four Piper Destroyer to Vallejo, California, and took that down through the canal and up the eastern coast to Belfast, Maine. Then I had to ride the train down to New York City to go aboard the USS Wright. I took that down through the canal again and out to Pearl Harbor. We'd go to Midway and Wake Island. We'd carry men and material out to them both. And the last time on our way back from Wake Island, a carrier passed us. We're going the same direction. We were heading back to Pearl and they were heading towards Pearl, too. And we knew it was a carrier, it was at night, but we didn't know what nationality it was. Then the next morning, we heard over the news broadcast they attacked Pearl Harbor. When we pulled into Pearl Harbor, I'd never seen such a mess in my life. I've even had to pull bodies out of the water. One that gets me so bad that I'll never forget. I reached out and grabbed him by the hair, started to lift his body out. He was slipping. I reached over and grabbed his arm, and the meat just come right off the bone. I'll never forget that. The Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor inflicted more than 2,000 American casualties, and the U.S. went to war. Having experienced far more than he had anticipated, Sherwin requested a change of scenery. I didn't want to mess with them Japs anymore, so I volunteered for amphibious training. They sent me all the way to Little Creek, Virginia, and that was the most vigorous training I ever went through. His training complete, Sherwin was deployed across the Atlantic to take part in some of the first American campaigns in the war against Germany. Transporting units of the 1st Infantry Division, Sherwin would begin his combat experience in the invasions of North Africa and Southern Italy. But the next operation would be the largest and most decisive yet, a chance to throw the gates of German-occupied Europe wide open. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied 
I drove to uh, Higginsville a couple of times in. We were told, don't try to help anybody. Don't bring nobody back to the ship. Get back here as fast as you can to get another load. We've got to get manpower on the beach. The first wave I was on, and not a man survived out of that. We had over 100 feet of clear beach, maybe close to 200, before you could get any shelter. And the Germans was up on the hills bombarding us. For at least 10 feet, the water was just blood red. Bodies all over, even dropped the gate down on top of bodies. Couldn't help it. And there was quite a few injured that we still couldn't bring them back because we had to get manpower on the beach. There was one young boy, he couldn't have been over 17. When we dropped off the load, he said, I want my mama. We couldn't stop to help him and bring him back or nothing. It was, it was mean. That was, that was the, the worst battle I believe I was in. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard, where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out MissDeedsAndIntriguePodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube, 
or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.